Disclaimer, this podcast and associated content do not provide medical advice. We are not medical professionals and information provided is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of a registered healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment. These episodes and related content affiliated with the Tales of Osteopathy Students podcast are not intended as a resource, guideline or reference for clinical practice or decision making. This content is intended as an additional learning tool to support other healthcare students who should also be using a variety of up-to-date guidelines and research in conjunction with the teaching provided by their educational institutes. To the tales of osteopathy students with me, Chelsea, and my good friend B. How are you doing, B? Hello, I'm very good. What? <laughs> There's another van, and EB's like, hurrah! <laughs> <laughs> I do apologize. <laughs> oh, Evie. Evie, Evie, Evie. How are you doing, friend? I'm doing very well, thank you very much. How are you? Yes. Yes, I'm doing good. Doing good. I'm tired, but good. Yeah. Tired slash a little bit hungry. Mm, the hunger is creeping. That sounds so serious. I have no idea. Serious. It's a mystery meal that I will prepare soon. Yeah. Same, same, same. It might mm. just be one of those like eating up meals that you're like finding random things at the back of the cupboard. And you're like, is this good mold or bad mold? <laughs> All good? bad. All mold is bad. <laughs> Except when you're talking sourdough bread. Yeah, okay, fair. Very fair. But yeah, I think, you know, people that have food, like when there's bread and there's mold on it and just cut it off and mm. then eat the rest, it's like... <laughs> yeah. It's like the root of the mold is still in the bread or yeah. still in whatever yeah. it is. Mm. Yeah, makes me feel ick. Icky, Grotty. Ick inside. Should we get down to business? Let's get down to business because we're doing Beauty. another pathology episode today, mm. which are speedy episodes. Watcha. Watcha. Exactly. That's my speed sound. Yeah. <laughs> which my speed sound should probably be more like. <laughs> you sound like a cat that's been flung into the air. I mean, if the shoe fits, then. Uh... <laughs> Let's do it that way. But you're going to teach me about something today. Teach me and the listeners about something today. What is that? So today we're going to talk about temporal arteritis. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> also known as giant cell arteritis. Aha, uh-huh. yes. I think mm. I don't know why I recognise it more by giant cell arteritis. Me too. And I did a little bit of a, when I was doing the research for this and getting all this information together, you search temporal arteritis and it comes up with giant cell arteritis. And like, that's not the words that I put in. Mm. Uh, But it turns out it is one in the same. I believe if I'm incorrect, please do correct me. Yes. So we're going to start off as always with, we need a medical definition 
and a patient-friendly definition because we need to know yes. exactly what's going on and we need to be able to explain it to our patients as to what is going on. Yeah. So first of all, the medical definition. So temporal arteritis involves predominantly the thoracic aorta, large arteries emerging from the aorta in the neck and extracranial branches of the carotid arteries. Symptoms of polymyalgia rheumatica are common. Symptoms and signs may include headaches, visual disturbances, temporal artery tenderness, and pain in jaw muscles during chewing, fever, weight loss, malaise, and fatigue are also very common. Oh dear. Mm. Lush. So the patient-friendly bit of information is that temporal arteritis is chronic inflammation of large and medium arteries of the head, neck, and upper body. Typically affected are the temporal arteries, budding, um, which run through the temples and provide blood to part of the scalp, the jaw muscles, and the optic nerves. Which, when you hear the clinical signs and symptoms, will all become very clear. So first of all, we're going to talk about some of the risk factors. So the first key main risk factor is symptoms of polymyalgia rheumatica. Mm -hmm. So the symptoms of polymyalgia rheumatica, uh, the main and most common one of that is stiffness in the shoulder muscles, which develops quickly over a few days or weeks. How many people do you think we'll see that has stiffness in their shoulder muscles? Yeah, that's just come over like the last few days. Oh my god! Like that could so easily be like literally anything. Yeah, absolutely. So also other symptoms like there may be pain in the neck and in the hips. Um, both sides of the body are usually affected. So that's the key. It's bilateral, not okay. unilateral. So that's one of the key things we're looking at when we're differentiating between a systemic illness and something that might be musculoskeletal. If someone's presenting with something that is completely bilateral, it's exactly the same on both sides. You're probably leaning more towards a systemic condition. Whereas if it's unilateral, so it's like, oh yeah, my left shoulder is like really tough and really sore. I've got limited movement in it then it's probably more of a musculoskeletal presentation so the stiffness is often worse first thing in the morning which is the same as most musculoskeletal conditions yeah when you wake up but starts to improve after about 45 minutes before you before you become more active again a musculoskeletal presentation mm. people with polymyalgia rheumatica also feel very tired lose their appetite lose weight and can have depression so these are like the systemic elements that we're looking at in terms of differentiation of um an msk to a systemic pathology but Mm. everyone's really fucking tired (laughs) so that's like always a, a tricky one especially in our lovely very busy modern world Other risk factors are a family history as well. So if there's a family history of temporal arteritis, that highlights that that they could be potential for it. So when you're taking that case history and you say, have you got any family history of illness? And everyone says, no, they're a liar. That's that's, that's my best When people say that, I'm like, your family's got no history of nothing. No Mm. health conditions. No, no nothing. I'm like, I'm pretty outstanding. Yeah. I once had a client that came to me for an Ayurvedic consultation, Mm. but I said we had to do the history of illness as part of it. And I was like, let's start off with COVID. When was, you know, have you had COVID or when was the last time you had it? And we put all that in. It's like, and what else? She's like, nothing. I was like, you're telling me that in your entire life, you've Mm. never had a single illness apart from this one time you had COVID. She's like, okay, yeah. I was like, yeah, you've got to drill deeper when they say that. Mm. (laughs) So I go to. So it's also more common in women than men by times two. Okay. More common in white people and those of Scandinavian descent than those of kind of African or Asian heritage. Um, 
and age. So it rarely, rarely, rarely affects those under 50. So it's most common in those kind of 70 to 80 is the most common area. Also, guys, are ready for a bit of pathophysiology? I know that mm. you are. So it can be localised, multifocal or widespread. The disorder tends to take effect to arteries containing elastic tissue, most often the temporal, cranial or carotid system arteries. The aortic arch branches, coronary arteries and peripheral arteries can also be affected. Mononuclear cell infiltrates the adventitia form of granulomas containing activated T-cells and macrophages. Multinucleated giant cells, when present, cluster near the disrupted elastic lamina. The intimal layer is markedly thickened and concentric narrowing and occlusion of the lumen. To make more fucking sense to that... Yeah... Essentially, where you've got multiple layers of the arteries, so the lumen mm-hmm. is like the gap in the yeah. middle, right? And so you've got all these other layers. Where you've got bigger cells <laughs> that are present, they can cluster together near those more elastic laminar layers, so the ones that are the stretchy okay. bits, mm-hmm. right? Which is why it's in arteries rather than in veins, okay? Because you've got more of that stretchy bit that's going on. Uh, so the if those elastic bits get disrupted the giant cells kind of cluster together hence giant cell arteritis big cells inflaming the arteries got it that was really good nice thanks clinical signs and symptoms the moment you've all been waiting for systemic is fever usually low grade right so we're talking about inflammation here itis right so if there's inflammation there's probably going to be more heat in the body but it's probably a low grade fever fatigue malaise Unexplained weight loss, sweaty, sweat, sweats. <laughs> Night sweats is obviously one of those, again, ear, ear. I'm bringing this alarm in mm. <laughs> like regularly when we're talking about <laughs> clinical <laughs> signs and symptoms. Night sweats, we don't know really why in terms of like pathologically or pathophysiology, pathogenesis, whatever one you want to say, why it happens. But mm. night sweats is a sign of a lot of generally something systemic going on it can be uncontrolled diabetes it can be a sign of metastasized cancer it's something there's heat going on in the body your body's trying to cook something right and so you get and obviously at night when you're snuggled up and you're warm and toasty in your bed and you wake up like sweaty cover like you're we're talking like pajamas drenched that you need to get out of bed and change your pajamas and maybe even your bedding sweats mm. um is a sign that there is something systemically bad happening the big boy clinical sign and symptom is headaches a new headache so something that's a new onset so people have headaches all the time right but if it's Mm. a new really severe intense headache that's maybe around the temporal area or the occipital area or the frontal area or it's just generally diffuse um it can also be accompanied by scalp pain when touching the scalp so if you're like brushing your hair and it's like ah like it's really Mm. really painful that's like one of the really key signs of it as well yeah, I think I heard one of the tutors saying, like, pain is really, really painful scalp. Mm. Like, mm. you can't wear a hat. You don't want to tie your hair up. You don't even want to brush your hair because it's too painful sort of thing. Lying on a pillow at night is agonising, yeah. essentially. Severe. Yeah. The other thing to look out for is visual disturbances. So like we said, like being one of the main things that it affects is the optic nerves and mm. the arteries that supply those optic nerves. So visual disturbances are a key sign of that. So things like diplopia, which is double vision, scotomas, which is blind spots, ptosis, which is when the upper eyelid droops over the eye, blurred vision, loss of vision, or something that I've written down that I cannot read, but I have described what it is. So 
amaurosis fugax, which is brief periods of partial or complete vision loss. In one eye, maybe rapidly followed by permanent irreversible vision loss. If they have temporal arteritis and they lose their vision, that vision isn't coming back. That's it. That's permanent damage. So this is the main thing of the, if you suspect a patient has temporal arteritis, you are quick hop time sending them to mm. A&E big time because the risk is vision loss. So yeah, lots of kind of scary things essentially. But if you have a patient that's come into you, new onset of headache, their one of their eyes is like drooping, like you can visually see it like closing down. They're feeling generally really unwell. They've got some unexplained weight loss and they've got a really painful scalp. Get them the fuck out of that room immediately, straight away. <laughs> Off they go. Mm. So examinations that can take place with this, um, osteopathically, for example, like I've said, it's taking a really solid case history. That's mm-hmm. what's really, really important. So maybe they've got some jaw muscle pain whilst they're chewing. Their temporal artery and scalp is really tender. Uh, unexplained subacute fever or anemia. New symptom or sign compatible with ischemia of an artery above the neck. Physical examinations being tended to palpate over the temporal artery and the scalp is going to be very tender, like a tiny bit of touch is going to be really painful. Or when you're palpating the temporal artery, the pulse kind of rolls rather than mm. being that kind of normal beat. In terms of what happens with allopathic medicine, so when you actually send them to the doctor, how they get fully diagnosed is by a temporal artery biopsy. Treatment for this, as osteopaths, we don't treat this condition, okay? It's a thing that needs to be treated by modern medicine, allopathic medicine. So how that treatment is done is that there is high-dose corticosteroids and or another medication. (laughs) (laughs) Tocilizumab. T-O-C-I-L-I-Z-U-M-A-B. That one. Mm. And aspirin is usually effective in the prevention of vision loss. Top points. Corticosteroids are the cornerstone of treatment and corticosteroids rapidly reduce the symptoms and prevent vision loss in most patients. The optimal initial initial dose, tapering schedule and total length of treatment are debated. But for most patients, an initial dose of about 40 to 60 milligrams orally once a day or equivalent for four weeks, followed by gradual tapering is effective. Most patients require at least two years of treatments with corticosteroids. Long-term use of corticosteroids can have significant adverse effects, as we know, and thus should be limited if possible. More than one half of patients taking these drugs have drug-related complications. So that can Mm. be, again, something that we see quite commonly in our treatment room. Consequently, alternative therapies are being studied. So there are other things being looked into at the moment. I haven't done enough research on it to find out exactly what that is at the moment. But I think it's really important to know that we're probably going to have people that present to us that might have previously been diagnosed with temporal arteritis in the past, Mm. and they might still be taking corticosteroids. And what's something really important about a person taking corticosteroids that we don't want to do? We don't want to HVT those people. <laughs> Never. But if I yeah. feel like if you if you just had anybody who'd been like, yeah, I, I had temporal arteriitis, and you, mm. if you'd never heard of that word before, but you did know like some like an like if you were an osteopathic student and you're observing, or you're a leading for the first time and you've never heard of that, there was there'd be no way that you'd think that sounds like it's fine. <laughs> 
<laughs> because you'd hear temporal arteriitis and you're like, no, thank you. Yeah, even if you don't know the condition, this is the key to knowing the prefixes and suffixes of everything because mm. you can break down the word if you've never even heard of it before. Temporal, the fucking temple, right? Mm. It's not, not rocket science, that one. Um, artery, 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 itis, inflammation. Inflammation of the temporal artery. Shimpush, really. So you know that generally something like that is like, hmm, what is near that area? What would that temporal artery supply? You know, you can start to think of it like that. And it's just like, oh, yes, there's jaw pain. There's stuff going on with eyes, you know, headaches, of course. Mm. So it's something that you can start to sort of break down and have an idea of ready for when you, you're about to present to your tutor and you start rapidly Googling things. <laughs> yeah. But yes. So that is... The very scary temporal arteritis. Summary, yeah. get them out of your clinic room if you suspect they have an undiagnosed temporal arteritis. Yeah. Get them to a doctor. Hotcha. Still doing my quick, my speedy sound like a hotcha. <laughs> right. Nice one. Did you learn? I did learn a lot. And now I'm it's, like, it's... I'm aware. And uh, yes. send me over those notes, would you? Down straight is heading your way from my lovely notion, notion thing. Look at you. Top points for anyone that doesn't know. Um, top points. Shut up, Chelsea. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, <laughs> there's a website called Notion, which is the note-taking du jour. <laughs> du jour. Honestly, the things you can do. If you're a little nerd like me and you love colour coding stuff, you love linking stuff together, and you like everything in one place, Notion is your friend, and it's free. Enjoy. Top tip. There you go. So if you want to get in contact with us, um, you can email us at double T double O S podcast at gmail.com. Um, or you can message us on any social media platforms, which are at double T double O S podcast. And if you feel like being generous, you could give us five stars on Spotify, subscribe to the podcast so that you can get notifications when new episodes come in and it will really help us get to more ears so more people can find out about the podcast. Thank you. Yes, please do. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye.